just before we open God's word this morning, let's just come to him in prayer and ask him to change words into life in us. Let's pray. Lord, as we quieten ourselves this morning, as we open your word, may we recognize once again that this is not just a book, but that this is your living word breathed out to us and committed to paper. And you've given it to us so that we can listen, obey, and be changed. And so, Lord, this morning we ask, break our hearts of stone. May your life-giving spirit flow in and through us. And may that life start its growth and change in us. Do your work through your spirit, we pray. Amen. I'd ask you to turn in your Bibles again to the book of Isaiah. This is the third Sunday and the last one I'll be spending on chapter 46. Isaiah chapter 46. It was quite a momentous book. It was quite a momentous bit of prophecy that the nation of Israel had to hear as they and Judah were under the heel of the Assyrians at the stage. And they heard God's prophecy through the prophet Isaiah. And these were hard words for them to hear. But I pray that as we read this together and as the Spirit does His work, that the Lord would turn these hard words into words that fall on our hearts so that we can hear. So Isaiah chapter 46, and we're going to read the whole chapter through together. Baal has bowed down, Nebo stoops over. Their images are consigned to the beasts and the cattle. The things that you carry are burdensome, a load for the weary beast. They stooped over and they bowed down together. They could not rescue the burden, but have themselves gone into captivity. Listen to me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel. You have been born by me from birth and have been carried from the womb, even to your old age, I will be the same. And even to your graying hairs, I will bear you. I have done it. And I will carry you. And I will bear you. And I will deliver you. To whom then would you liken me, and make me equal and compare me, that we should be alike? Those who lavish gold from the purse, and weigh silver on the scale, Hire a goldsmith, and he makes it into a god. They bow down. Indeed, they worship it. They lift it on the shoulder and carry it. They set it in its place, and it stands there. It does not move from its place. Though one may cry to it, it cannot answer. It cannot deliver him from his distress. Remember this, and be assured. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things long past. For I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is no one like me, declaring the end from the beginning, 
and from ancient times things which have not been done, saying, My purpose will be established, and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. Calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my purpose from a far country, truly I have spoken. Truly I will bring it to pass. I have planned it. Surely I will do it. Listen to me, you stubborn-minded, who are far from righteousness. I bring near my righteousness. It is not far off. And my salvation will not delay. And I will grant salvation in Zion and my glory for Israel. I'm not sure if you're all aware that the international distress signal, or, or symbol rather, is an orange background with a black circle and a black square on the front of it. Now many aircraft and many boats are now uh, supposed to be issued with these so that when in trouble, this can be hoisted. Or when an aircraft is down and people survive, they can put it out on the ground and people know that help is needed. We also have other things which show that help is needed, right? SOS signals. What is an SOS signal? Those of you who know the old, old days. Three dots, three dashes, three dots. SOS signals. Or hand signals. Anyone know what the international hand signal for distress is? Waving your hands above your head like this. I know, we do it. But it's actually the international distress signal. Alright? No. Thank you, Dave. If you're on a boat, you'll have flares. And if you shoot up a red flare, don't do it for your friends, by the way. Because you'll have the Air Force arriving. Do we have an? Yes, we have an Air Force. Um, so red flares for distress. These days we've got electronics and EPIRB. Alright, anyone know what that stands for except Dave? An emergency position indicating radio beacon. There you go. We're just giving you some um, help there. And what it does is it puts out a signal on a specific frequency. And it gives uh, the emergency people some idea of where you are. And that you're in trouble. And then we also have a PLB. Anyone know what that is? Personal locator beacon. It's just smaller. And when you get into trouble, you activate it and then a signal goes up and they know they need to do something about it. So what do all these things mean? All these things mean help. I can't help myself anymore. I need help from outside, right? Otherwise you wouldn't see it at all. It's a sad thing that many of us spiritually are in this state. We've got all the emergency signals available. We've got all the symbols available. We've got the flares everything available, but we don't set them off because we don't know that we're in spiritual trouble. There are many people today in the world that do not know that they are in spiritual trouble. And the sad thing is that as believers sometimes, we fail to put out those distress signals to the Lord when we get into trouble. We think we can go it alone like my monkey friends. The Lord is going to Remind us this morning through this passage that help is at hand. And if you're not a believer here today, I really want you to listen. Help is at hand, whether you know it or not. Help is at hand. But let's just step back a little bit, because this is the last time we'll be in this passage, and just remind ourselves why Isaiah wrote this book, why he prophesied and it was written down. It was a prophecy to Judah specifically, 
and Israel, but specifically to Judah in 740 before Christ. And the, Jude, the people of Judah and Israel were under constant Assyrian threat and also occupation. And so Isaiah starts to prophesy. And this specific chapter, chapter 46 that we're looking at this morning, was a prediction about 200 years later than they are now, when they would be taken into captivity under the Babylonians. And God is already saying to them, my nation, I'm telling you now, you will get taken into captivity, but my salvation will be there for you 200 years from now. But listen now, look around you now at the nations, learn the lessons now before you go into captivity. And so what were some of these lessons we've already seen in this chapter? Well, the, what, the first one was the futility of worshipping other gods. You see, God says to them, Val and Nebo have been brought low, and those were the, um, the gods of the people. They've been brought low. The nations around you have looked to their gods, but those gods have not saved them. It is futile to worship other gods but me. Another lesson they'd learnt was that God has carried you from before your birth as a nation. He's carried you right through your growth as a nation and He will be there for you until the end. God will be there for you. He has carried you. He will save. Another lesson they learned was that they are to guard their thoughts from the rebellion. Just thinking wrong thoughts about their attitude towards God was rebellion against them. And that's what we saw last week. And also last week we were reminded of this, that God was and is and will be who? Can you remember? Jehovah Elohim. And that's why he uses those very specific words, I am God. And he says to them, remember these things. And remember it was in the accusative. You've forgotten. You need to remind yourselves that I am God, the sovereign God. And so those are some of the lessons that they've learned up to now. But in this chapter, specifically chapter 46, it was a prophecy, specifically these last few verses, about a time coming when they would again be in trouble and God would rescue them. They'd be in captivity, but God would remain unchanged and that He would bring them salvation. And it's a constant theme coming through the book of Isaiah. People need to be reminded and we need to be reminded that in the end God will be there for us. And when things don't look right around us now, we need to keep on looking to the Lord. Salvation will be there for us in the end. Don't give up. Don't walk away from the Lord. Don't be tempted to go to other gods. God will come through for you in the end. Do you hear my warning? Do you hear it? You see, that's exactly what God did in Judah and Israel's history. We've got the benefit of looking back on history now when they didn't have that benefit. We can see what God did later in their history. You see, 200 years later, God saved a remnant from captivity and He took them back to Jerusalem and they again built up the temple. They again built up the city, just as God had promised. Now we're going to be in another two chapters in Isaiah this week. And the first one is this. I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 44 and just look at a few verses, only a few pages back in your Bibles. Isaiah chapter 44, 
verses 24 to 28. This is what God had promised His people. Look at the familiar words. Isaiah 44, verse 24. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer. Have we come across that before? The one who brings freedom. Yes. And the one who formed you from the womb. Have we come across that? Yes. I am the Lord. Capital L-O-R-D. I am the maker of all things, stretching out the heavens by myself and spreading out the earth all alone. What did God say? What I plan, I will do. Causing the omens of boasters to fail, making fools out of diviners, causing wise men to draw back and turning their knowledge into foolishness, confirming the word of His, that's God, His servant, and performing the purpose of His messengers. It is I who says of Jerusalem, she shall be inhabited. And of the cities of Judah, they shall be built. And the word used for built is to be rebuilt. And I will raise up her ruins again. And it is I who says to the depths of the sea, be dried up. Where did that happen? When God brought the nation through the Red Sea. And I will make your rivers dry. It is I who says of Cyrus, the one who took them into captivity, He is my shepherd and he will perform all my desire and he declares of Jerusalem, she will be built. Who declares this? Cyrus says this because God shows him the truth. And of the temple, your foundation will be laid. And so there is God's word of prophecy. And 200 years later, God takes his people back and from the remnant, they rebuild Jerusalem and they rebuild the temple. And they extend the temple. And then 500 years after that rebuilding, true salvation comes through the heir of David whom God had promised. The Messiah, Jesus Christ, God's own Son. He brings salvation and freedom to the people. And not just to the Israelites and to Judah, but He brings freedom to who? To every tribe, every nation, across time. Isn't that a fantastic And you and I, if you're a believer here, you are part of that fulfilled promise. Don't forget that when you doubt. You are part of God's fulfilled promise. He brought salvation and you have been saved. God is the unchanging one. He has kept His word. And so what stops Him from continuing to keep His word? There's nothing. He is sovereign God. And so that message of freedom has reached you and I as we sit here in this building in February of 2015. That message of salvation, of freedom, has reached every one of your ears. If you can hear me today and you're not sleeping. And children, if you hear, you can hear that too. Jesus Christ saves. And He can save you. Salvation is available today. But before we can be saved, we need to understand why we need to be saved, right? Otherwise, why do you need to be saved? And so, God speaks to His nation. Verse 12. What does He say to them? Back in chapter 46. He says, Listen to me, you stubborn-minded. The word He uses here is the word for stiff-hearted. Those of you who've got stiff hearts before me, you will no longer bow to me. Listen to me, my nation. And there's a mix also of those of you who've lost heart. That's the mix in the original. Stiff-hearted 
and you may have lost heart. The Assyrians are all around us. I don't see the salvation of God. I've started giving up. Listen to me, you stiff-hearted and those of you who've lost heart. And they're so lost, they're not even calling for help anymore. They've got all the distress beacons and flares, but no one is putting anything up. They don't know. They're lost. God says to them, listen to me, you stubborn-minded, who are far from righteousness. Now, why are they far from righteousness? It's because in their position before God, they are nowhere near God. Their minds are in rebellion against God. They are no longer, they are not upright before the Lord. They are not in right standing with God. What is that? You see, it's our default position as human beings. And you might think you're God's gift to humankind. You might think that you're the best thing since sliced bread. But God says to you, your default position before me is you are lost. And yes, Adam started it, but you are part of that progressive story. He was the one who walked away from God in disobedience. But because of his sin, you are caught up in that. Mankind is broken and lost before the Lord. And you, if you are part of mankind, and I hope you are, you're not exclusive, then you are lost. Unless Jesus Christ has found you. Unless you've been saved. And you might not like that fact, but the Lord says, and he knows us because he's the creator God, he says you are far from righteousness. Romans 3.23 says it like this in the New Testament, for all have sinned. Did you hear any exclusion clauses? I'll read it again, just in case. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And in case you're doubting, the Psalms in the Old Testament says this, there is none righteous, not even one. Do you hear any exclusion clauses? No. I'm afraid you're with us. And so the Lord says, you are far from righteousness to his people. Because they'd forgotten how far they'd fallen. Now, I want to just say something in brackets here. You see, the world will often point at us and our God and say, he's just an angry God. He just wants to send people to hell. But is that really what God is like? I'll show you. You see, he's not an angry God. He's a holy God. He's a holy God who cannot endure sin before him. He has to deal with sin. He has to put his judgment on sin. The price must be paid for sin. And that comes from all sinners. And that includes you and I. But at the same time, he's this God who has to punish sin. He's also a God of grace who at the same time extends his offer of forgiveness and new life to everyone who would receive it. Listening to the same God From Isaiah chapter 55 this time. This is God speaking. Listen to his gracious heart. Here he speaks. He says to you, incline your ear. In other words, bend and listen to me. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. Does that sound like an angry God? That sounds like a God who loves you. Who says, come to me and listen and live. You see, God's righteousness is available to all who would take up his offer of salvation. If you are not a believer here today, God says, I love you, I want to save you, but you need to ask me to be saved. I will not save someone who does not want to be saved. You need to ask me, says the Lord. 
And that means anyone can come to the Lord today. If you hear God's voice, listen and bow your knee to the Lord. Bow that stiff heart of yours and say, Lord, I need to be saved. Why? Because in the end, God will be glorified. And we're going to be looking at that in verse 13 a little later. Through all this, when people bow before the Lord and when they are saved, in the end, God is glorified. And when you bow your knee and others know that you've become a believer, then it's a witness to the nations that this God is alive and He can save and you too can be saved. It gives God glory, you see. And so His grace is available. His undeserved mercy is available to you because it points to His glory. And that's why verse 13 carries on in our chapter. He says, I bring near my righteousness. It is not far off. Can you hear those words? I, who's the source? I bring near, I bring it near to you. It's whose righteousness? It's my righteousness I bring near to you. And then he adds really quickly, it's not far off. It's right here. If you will but take up my offer to be saved. You see, God is speaking across time in our passage here. He's speaking about a as yet to happen event. And he's saying to them, in this event which will happen in 200 years time, my nation, my grace is already available to you if you will then take it up. Do you see the grace of God? Is this a God who just wants to destroy? No. He says, come to me. I want to save. Hear his compassionate heart. See his grace. He's the source. I bring near my salvation. And he did. He brought salvation to the nation. He saved his nation. He took them back to their own land. He allowed them to build up the temple and their cities. He brought his salvation. He was the active party. Not them. God did it. And salvation belonged to him. And he brought his salvation near to them. He delivered them. And he brings it near to you as well this morning. He says, if you will hear me, my salvation, my righteousness is near today. But will you take it up? Or are you going to do the monkey stunt? No, I won't. It's your decision, you see. Salvation is here. Today. And it's accessible, he says. It's not far off. You see, when God's people became discouraged, when they saw the nation of Assyria around them, and they seemed to be giving them a hard time all the time, it was never ending, he was saying to them, my salvation is not far off. Just hold on, my people. Hold on to me. Keep looking to me. I will save you. My salvation is not far off. It is near. It's right here today. Are you feeling weary at times as a believer? You started 2015 and already you're thinking, man, I've got another year of hard living before the Lord. The Lord says to you, my salvation is near. It's very near. Hold on to me. I will hold you. I will carry you on my strong shoulder. I will deliver you. Do you remember the previous verses? I will deliver you in the end. But you need to hold on to me. How near is salvation to you? How near is freedom to you? If you're not a believer here today, how near is it to you? 
I'll show you how near it is. It's as near as a bent knee to the Lord. In other words, you are Lord. I'm a mere human being. Lord, save me. It's a bent knee and a question away. Would you still say no to the Lord this morning? As a believer, would you still remain discouraged this morning? It's a bent knee and a question away. Lord, help me. My face is faltering. Help me. I don't want to let go of you. Help me, Lord. I need you to hold me. Listen to the Lord again. Isaiah chapter 55. And you can keep your finger in this one. We're going to be here a little while as we look at these two passages. Listen to the Lord's heart again as he says. Isaiah chapter 55 verse 1 to 3. Come, or ho is the old English word that's used here. Come, everyone who thirsts. Come to the waters. Are you there this morning? Are you thirsting because you're looking for answers in life? The Lord says to you, come. To the waters. Come to me, everyone who thirsts. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk. The finest of foods, in other words. Without money and without cost. Why do you spend money for what is not bread? Why do you spend your money on everything which doesn't bring salvation and freedom? Why? You won't find me there, says the Lord. And your wages, why do you spend it on what does not satisfy? I tell you, there are many people and many believers who are spending their money and their time on other sources away from the Lord. And it takes you away from freedom. It takes you into bondage. Listen carefully to me, says the Lord, and eat what is good, and delight yourself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen, that you may live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you according to the faithful mercies Shown to David. And he speaks this specifically to his nation. But he speaks this to you and I too. He will make an abundant covenant with us. He will take us through into eternity. He will save us and keep us until that day. Do you get hope from that? Anyone? Oh good. But can you get that freedom without us? And the simple answer is, no. You need to bow the knee and ask, Lord, help me. And there's urgency there, verse 13 says, my salvation will not delay. Now, those of you over 70, you'll remember this word. I'm going to get whacked for this now. The word tarry. It won't tarry long. That's what the old English is here. My salvation will not tarry. In other words, it won't be kept back. It will be here soon. But there's a warning in that too, you see, because it's saying, you can't just carry on as you are, because in the end, my salvation will come. And so you can't just put it off. It won't tarry. There's two sides to this. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 6, this is what God says. He says, seek the Lord. Unfortunately, this next bit is in our Bibles too. It says this, seek the Lord while He may be found. What does that imply? He won't always be found by you. The opportunity is today. 
His voice is coming to you today. If you're hearing this, He's saying to me, come, if you firstly come to me, I won't always call you. Call upon Him while He is near. He won't always remain near to you. Call upon Him. Don't tarry, because His salvation does not tarry. So you can't just get round to it. There's a warning here. Come to the Lord if you hear Him calling today. And then verse 13, and this is the last bit of this chapter, it says, God will be glorified. Why? Because verse 11b said it, it said at the right time in His plan, God would bring salvation to His captive nation. And here at the last bit of this chapter, verse chapter 46, He says, I will bring my salvation, I will grant salvation in Zion and my glory for Israel. In the end, I will be glorified through my actions towards you, says the Lord, to his nation. And so the whole of Isaiah's prophecies teach that although God must purify his nation, although he must judge his nation for sin, in the end, his grace to them will prevail. His grace is the overruling purpose of his actions. I take great courage from that. His grace is the overruling purpose of when He disciplines me in my life. His grace is the overruling purpose of when I go through hard times in my life and I can't understand it and He asks me to hold on to Him. I know in the end His grace is doing it for me. And so, take courage. You see, This nation of Israel would also sin before the Lord. But would that mean that that's the end of God's plan for them? Thank the Lord, no. They sinned many times. Their record of sin and coming to the Lord looked like a saw blade. Right? Up and down. Up and down. Don't laugh. We have the same thing. Unless you're perfect. I know my own life. My life record looks like a saw blade. Too. Because I sin, God forgives me. I come back to Him, I sin. He forgives me. I come back to Him, I sin. You get the picture? His grace will take us through. His grace is not overruled by my sin. His grace glorifies Him. And therefore He brings me through. That's fantastic. That's hope for you and I as believers as we start off this year. And so today is no different than this time written about here and prophesied by the prophet Isaiah. The only hope of the world is bound up in one man, God's own Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. In Him, salvation is to be found in no other. In no other gods, in no riches, in no other actions. You can't do it on your own. Salvation is found in God alone. And you either are You either are in that salvation of the Lord or you stand outside of it. There is no middle ground. In or out. You've either said yes to the Lord or no. There's no middle ground. Salvation comes through Jesus Christ. So I want to put to you this morning that help is at hand. And I've got four points very quickly to you. First one is this, if you're not a believer, I want you to listen this morning. 
If you do not know Jesus Christ, listen. Recognize that by nature you are far from God. You are not a good person. You cannot make it on your own. God says so, not me. You need to be saved by grace. God says you're stiff-hearted. You're rebellious. You're pushing away your only help. Do you remember my monkey story? The vine was out to help him. He pushed it away because he said, I can do it on my own. If you do not know the Lord, and if you're saying no to him, you are pushing away the only help that is there. Secondly, recognize, if you do not know God, that God's offer of salvation or freedom from sin is nearby and it's urgent. You can't just put it off. It's nearby. It's close to you, but you need to ask Him. You can't just put it off. You need to ask God. You need to come to that point of decision and say, Lord, I am a sinner. You are a holy God. I need you in my life. Have you come to that point of decision? And I want to state very plainly here, it doesn't help if your parents have made that decision in life. It doesn't help if you've come up in, if you've grown up in a family who say that they are Christians. The question to you and I this morning is, have you come to a point of decision before the Lord where you've bowed your knee and said, Lord, I need you. There is no other salvation. Have you come to that point? If not, you are not a Christian. Don't kid yourself. Come to the Lord. Recognize thirdly that King Jesus, not baby Jesus in the manger, King Jesus is your only salvation. No gods, no other way around. Repentant trust in King Jesus alone will do it. And next week when we get together, I'm sorry, you're not going to get away from this message. We're going to go to Luke. Guess what? We're back there. And the very first verse we pick up with is what? Come in through the narrow gate. Thank you, Lord. Isn't that God's plan put like this? Come in through the narrow door. Strive to enter through that door. So you're going to get the gospel message again. Come back next week. And lastly this morning, I want to speak to you as believers. If you've put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, but you feel that you're getting weak at the knees, you feel like you're falling down, you can't make the walk anymore, then this is for you. Listen. Recognize this morning that God is God. That His purposes will prevail for His glory. And for that very reason, He will carry you through on His strong shoulder. And though your, your knees give in, and though you need open heart surgery, and though you need new knee transplants, doesn't matter. God will take you through. And one day in eternity, you will stand there and you, with your very own eyes, like Job said, will see the risen Redeemer. God will take you through. Not you. Isn't that fantastic? God has been past, faithful in the past. He will be faithful today. He will continue to be faithful in the future. And we need to be encouraged. Because sometimes we also get stiff hearts. When the road gets tough, sometimes our hearts get stiff. And we start rebelling against God. Why are you putting me through this? What have I done? Have you ever asked that? Have you ever asked that? The Lord says, 
You are stiff-hearted. You are slow to obey. You are turning away from me. Turn back to me, my people. Turn back. And so I would urge you, go back to God's Word. Persevere. It's not a word we hear often today. The old English was perseverance of the saints. Now, the saints, that's you. And if you're not born again, you ain't a saint. Okay? Perseverance of the saints. We need to push through in the Lord because He is in us and He surrounds us. We need to persevere. And that happens through practical obedience to the Lord. I urge you, if you are faltering at the knees as a believer, go to your room. Because I, I'm not a betting man. I'm not allowed to do that. I would bet that your Bible looks like this. And there's dust on the cover. And you haven't opened it for a while. I would bet that your prayer life isn't what it should be. And that's why you're weak at the knees. Go back to God's Word. Open it again. Ask His Spirit to make it alive to you and to strengthen your knees and your legs for the walk. And be encouraged. I want to encourage you with this last verse that I'm going to... Now, I'll read it to you, sorry. Romans chapter 15, verses 4 to 6. Listen to what Paul says. He's speaking about what we just heard in God's Word in the Old Testament. This is what he says. Romans 15, verses 4 to 6. For whatever was written in former days... Okay, so that's everything here. Whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. So we can learn from the book of Isaiah, you see. That, and here it is, through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures... We might have hope. Do you see that? Through endurance and through the encouragement of the scripture, you see the two? There's your part there. You've got to endure. You've got to read God's word and be encouraged. And if you do that, you will have hope. Isn't that fantastic? But are we doing it? You will have hope. Now, there's a bit for us as a church here as we close. This is what it says. I'm just continuing in the same passage. May the God of endurance, so who does endurance belong to? God. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord or in oneness with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What is our role as a church It is to look around us and when we see our fellow believers struggling, we have to get around them, open God's word with them, pray through it with them, put our arms around, encourage them, so that with one voice and in the Lord Jesus Christ, we can have hope. You see why we get together as a church? It's not to come and sing songs, it's not to have a good cup of tea or biscuits, it's to encourage each other in the Lord. That's our role. And so I urge you to do that. Stand strong in the Lord. He will carry you and encourage each other in the Lord. And if you don't know Him this morning, then come to Him today. Come to the Lord while His voice is heard by you. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, our Heavenly Father, I thank You for Your message of hope and salvation which is available and which was available so far back already in history. Lord, thank you that that message is here today. 
And I pray for any person sitting here that does not know Jesus Christ as their Saviour, may today be the day when the living God meets with them. May you save him. And may they cry to you for forgiveness. And may the kingdom of God be strengthened by one more person as you build your kingdom. And Lord, I pray for all believers sitting here today, every single one, whether they are feeling on top of the world or whether they are feeling that they cannot carry on one step further, Lord, I pray, through your Spirit, may you encourage them, 